0: Welcome to The Vinyl Preacher. I am Matt Cattle, pastor at St. Mark's Lutheran Church in Los Angeles, California.
1: And I'm Zach Ferris. I am the pastor of Lutheran Campus Ministry at the University of Colorado Boulder.
0: And uh, we are The Vinyl Preacher. We come to you every week to talk about uh, the texts, the scripture texts that uh, may be preached on uh, in your church for the upcoming Sunday. And also, we make a playlist. It's pretty fun. It's fun enough. It's fun
1: enough. <laughs> so, what's going on in the, in your world this week? We are emerging, Matt. We are emerging out of uh, the shadows of the eclipse. Here, I guess now this is last week, but but we're recording the day after the eclipse came. Uh, we had a, a ridiculous like event. We had like a lot of people who parked cars at the church where we do our stuff. Uh, they were all invited. We had a barbecue because it happened around lunchtime. We had lots of glasses, so people were excited. To, to glasses were in short supply in this part of the world, uh, but most importantly, Matt, we played music, and I made a playlist called Total Eclipse of the Playlist that you can find right now on our Spotify channel. It has a lot of... Uh, I'm really proud of this work, Matt. Uh, it's got Harvest Moon by Neil Young, which is lovely. Of course, like, Here Comes the Sun, Earth, Wind, and Fire, uh, Shiny, uh, Shining Star. That's what you are. Matt, I even put some Bruce on there for you, dancing in the dark. But most importantly, Corey Hart, Canada's the greatest Canadian to ever lived, as far as I'm concerned. Sunglasses at night. I wear my sunglasses at night in honor of all of us stumbling around with really ineffective sunglasses. Unless you plan to stare directly into the heart of a giant gaseous orb in the sky. It is a good playlist. I'm very impressed. Right? How, how, uh, it's good, right? I tried to start off with, uh, with just playing like the David Bowie album, uh, the Ziggy Stardust album. Mm -hmm. Um. But that was a little much for a demographically consistent mainline Protestant congregation. <laughs> Had to switch it up. Had to switch it up. I out. appreciate
0: that it took you, like, almost ten songs to get to Bonnie Tyler. That's it's unexpected. You expect to, like, start off like that. But no,
1: you're, you're a little more subtle. Build up to it. you got to build up to it, and then we close with 2001 A Space Odyssey, the theme. That's nice it's right. nice also Don't I tried like to get Flight of the Conchords David Bowie song and the language wasn't great for us uh, there's a <laughs> line where he, where he says David Bowie uh, David you freaky bastard you early on <laughs> it's an incredible song it works for your own personal use maybe not for congregational use depending on your context it's not contextual <laughs> What's happened in your context, man? On your side of the yeah. this orb spinning through space, eclipsing things.
0: I was just uh, disappointed that we did not bring this up for Sunday, August twentieth. We didn't have any like eclipse. We we should have like we made that part of our. I know. I didn't even think about it, and it was totally a total eclipse of the heart for, for Joseph there. Oh my goodness! <gasps>
1: You're right. Gotta, like run with that. I just didn't think about We it. have got to do a better job of working <laughs> in the astrological calendar into our preaching schedules, man. Into the election. We're going to work
0: on a, We have heard the feedback. <laughs> uh, we are. We're going to work on that. We're going to work on the astrological symbols.
1: <laughs> got to give
0: the people what they want. Give the people what they want. Oh, my goodness. Well, uh, also happening in our uh, in our context, it's uh it's back to school. Oh my goodness, uh, like I'm sure it is for you too. We did tabling, and I totally stole your idea. Good. So uh so you thought people would want to know how it went? So I guess absolutely. I'll how did it go? report.
1: Uh, it's it's interesting. I feel let like let me ask I'm- you a question, man. Did you leave there with 50 plus people who converted to Lutheranism and are now members of St. Mark's <laughs> Lutheran Church in Los Angeles? Did that did that happen? That did not. Well, you can't win, not happen. Happen. can't win you them all. Can't
0: win them all. You gotta lower the bar. I mean, uh, I feel like I've made some improvements. Like two years ago, I went to table by myself uh, in my clerical collar that I'd worn to church that morning. It was just me, <laughs> and uh, very few people wanted to talk to me. That's, some people would like smile, smile politely, and then like continue walking. And I just. Yeah, it didn't work Getting well. eye contact
1: um, is half the battle, man.
0: <laughs> so last year, I invited a young adult, uh, early 20s member of my congregation to come with me. She didn't go to, not a student at USC, but a student at a local community college. So, you know, demographic, mm-hmm. it's college student. And she's super friendly. So we had a, a member that, somebody that actually represented our community uh, better than I did. And that worked pretty well. Like We had some good conversations, maybe talked to two people that came back to church that Sunday. Nice, yeah, it's it it okay. And then this year, I got two people, both of them again, going to local community colleges. Uh, but very, very cool uh, young adults, two young adult women to share. They wore their St. Mark's T-shirt. Mm. Uh, they were you gotta they get were that really T-shirt
1: tough. coordination.
0: Man, it helps. And then, uh, and and then we had the. So I had to get an angle right because everybody's like, "What's oh, a Lutheran?" I don't know what that is. So. Mm. Um, so I did. I pitched the 500-year thing, Jello. and I said that we're a. I said that we're a reforming movement within the church, uh, a movement that uh, is continuing to seek change in ourselves. Uh, well, uh, our our church and in our world. Um, so come join us in this movement. Uh, and then we asked a question, and the question was, what needs to change? It was very open-ended. -hmm. Um, But just said what needs to change, and uh, people people contributed to the chalkboard. It was the chalkboard got filled up. Um, see if I can pull up what people wrote on there. Pretty big, big topics, but uh, bigotry, uh, judgment, homophobia, prejudice, Mm. racism, human trafficking, the way we love, hatred, how people react to each other. Um, so did we did we change the world with this chalkboard no we did not but we did uh invite people into conversation we got a little participation a little engagement right which i think is uh what you were suggesting we do so so i thought that was helpful and we had like seven people leave their emails so that was really that's incredible matt um we were right next to so we're also um a part of like this progressive christian network at usc Um, i've heard about them most yeah most of the um most of the there's like there's a lot of Christian groups at USC uh, most of them are um, more conservative than evangelical good people but uh, sort of different different approach than we have um, and there were only two groups uh, there were maybe like let's say 30 30 to 40 groups there and only two of them were considered were like in this progressive Christian network and we were right next to each other <laughs> <because> <laughs> we're friends and uh, but there was a lot of it seemed like there was a lot of interest in, um, in an alternative kind of Christianity to what some of the conservative evangelical groups were offering. And I don't know if that's the moment that we're in or what, but I thought that it was, I thought that was interesting. I hadn't experienced that before. I don't think I had nearly as much interest in what we were doing last year, the year before that. So I don't know what that says. I don't want to oversimplify it, but maybe there's an opportunity for engagement and conversation. We'll see. We'll no. see. Yeah. So uh, I was gonna say about that. Still have no idea where to go with it since I basically have some local community college students and currently no USC students. <laughs> but, but you got words. seven
1: emails, <laughs> right? <laughs> In community organizer terms, that's incredibly successful, right? They say that, that it doesn't count unless you get contact information from people. The numbers don't matter. I don't know. I'll let you go. Our big. I'll let you know our uh, big uh involvement fair is not until it's for another week and a half but i don't know if we'll get seven emails emails are hard to get out of people so well that's
0: uh that's where we're at we're gonna see where that goes any uh i think that's all i got on the campus ministry piece do I have other things what else do we what else is on our agenda labor day labor day well wow, it's a rough yeah. sunday isn't it labor day labor day it's gonna be interesting uh well i have a preaching question then for you i have like a general preaching question and maybe this will course throughout our conversation but a little recap so i preached i preached on sunday and we've been kicking around this charlottesville thing and trying to figure out what to do with it and i feel like in our conversation that we had about pot, we felt like i mean we had a whole special pot about it which means that we thought it was an important thing right we had to um, talk about it that's my, it was my uh, assumption Right. The question is how to talk about it. Um, and so one of the things that I tried to do on Sunday, it was the story of Joseph, and Joseph um, reconciles with his brothers, but he's, he actually starts by telling the truth. He says, mm. um, I am your brother Joseph, who you sold into slavery. Yep. And then he says, "And then he says, but, and he goes on this whole, like, this is where God was active and all this stuff. But he starts by telling the truth. It's like a truth and reconciliation kind of thing, which is actually really, I thought was really interesting. So one of the things I did in my, in my sermon was I wanted to, I wanted to explore. I know, like everybody's saying, we need to name white supremacy as sin. Mm-hmm. Completely agree. But I think it's a little easy when all we're doing is saying like racism equals bad. Yep. I think what I want to do is explore what does white supremacy actually looks like. Is mm-hmm. it is it just TV tortures, or is it also like is it also underfunded schools? Is it also like let's start exploring like what this actually looks like, so that we're not just naming some thing out in the ether as sin, but naming something we might actually see um, and be a part of and be implicated in and experience. Uh, in my congregation so i did that that part felt like preaching but then i then i shifted right to try to get to some good news and i didn't know that that i don't know it almost it didn't feel like it was enough Hmm. to like um yeah and so my takeaway my question out of it that i don't have a clear answer to yet is can can that truth telling itself be gospel because hmm. sometimes I, d- I feel like sometimes when people name things in preaching and I'm not saying that I'm doing this but I'm saying like that I've heard sermons where somebody's named something surprising as a truth and it wasn't necessarily a pleasant truth but it was a truth and that felt like a breath of fresh air that almost felt like a piece of gospel just the fact that it was being named and so I wonder like can that be can that be enough like do we have to solve the problem or is sometimes stating the problem does that count as as I don't know yeah do you have your thoughts I'm, I'm, I'm wrestling with
1: this um, yeah I think I think <laughs> <laughs> I think that our baseline assumption of the pod that was was um, is that preachings ultimately good news it's really helpful when you can start with like a good news statement like we try to boil things down to at the end of the pod every week and I think that's a good guide. And I think it's a good guide because it helps us end up in the places we need to end up with. I'm going to tell a story that sounds incredibly tangential, but I think it's going to fit. Uh, This past weekend, we had our retreat with our student leaders. And at the end of it, I had them practice doing like one-on-ones, doing active listening, empathetic listening. uh, And we processed it a bit. And of course, a very expected thing was that the folks said that it felt really uh, awkward and uncomfortable. That's not how I'm used to. The talking, I found it really difficult to not talk about myself at all. Because I pushed, right? Like, you're going to have all these urges to jump in and talk about yourself. And it's more helpful for you to not do that. Um, (laughs) I talked about all the terrible one-on-ones I've done. Uh, and coffees, I set up not knowing what a one-on-one was, but knowing that they were important and needed to do lots of them. But having developed... I like to think that I've developed the skill or the art of the one-on-one. And it's not that I never talk about myself in one-on-ones anymore, but that if I start with the rule that I shouldn't talk about myself, um, it makes me much more aware of when and how I choose to do so. So I think similarly for preaching and for this good news idea and this good news statement, that one of the ways we, we normally kind of distill the the theology of the good news statement is that it's not very helpful for it to be the negative. Uh, the good news is that God does not hate us. Um, <laughs> it's not as compelling as the good news that God uh, loves us. And I think similarly, there's a good guide. It's a good place to start so that you can. So I think you're right. I think your assumption is right that that stating uh, surprising truths can be good news, but it's it's. But I think when we preach them, it's helpful to be aware that of what we're doing, that we're doing some complex stuff so that what would what would be the surprising truth to state like. The,
0: well, I, th- I think maybe too, like I'm going to complexify it a little bit here is that I also think like contextually, what is what does the good news look like? Because I guess what I what I didn't want to do was say some some good news to, to name some some evil in the world and then and then and then state some good news that's gonna tie it up in a nice little bow and we're gonna sing Kumbaya because we're not really we're not there yet, right? Mm-hmm. And so I didn't like there there wasn't gonna be some kind of tie it all up and solve the problems and we're all gonna leave feeling feeling like the problems are solved. And I also the local there was a church that I passed that had this um they put on their signboard, they had this quote from Dr. King that said, uh darkness cannot drive out darkness yeah. only light can do that and hate cannot drive about hate only love can do that and i think that that's true but i also think like i think it's kind of a crappy thing for like a white person to say like right be more loving right like dr king was like in a pretty intense conversation about the about strategy um within his community right and so like it can be a very powerful thing to say but for me as like a like i don't I don't know if that's the appropriate message that I want to say, right? For me, one of the appropriate things is to say I acknowledge, like I see you. I acknowledge, like what's
1: what's happening, and that's mm, I don't know, like. Well, I think the, that I think what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Or what what I'm trying to t- talk my way into, is to say that that if the surprising truth is that this this oppression the these fruits of white supremacy are come from white supremacy, come from white people, it says within it that it does not come from God. And I think then we start to to hear a little more clearly what the good news is, or understand what the good news is, that these ways, not to tie them up at all, are the ways of leading into the gospel for for this week, for September 3rd, are the things of humans, of man, uh, and not the things of God. Yeah, and to name them as, as such, and to name them as such in detail, I think can can paint it in that. Paint it as good news, and might be able to frame the, the rest of the context of the sermon. Because what I, I don't think what you want, and I, what I what I hear you saying, gosh, I'm doing too <laughs> much of this. Active listening is, I think, you want to avoid sermons that are just long lists of everything that's wrong. Um, but we're stuck between a place of sermons that list everything that's wrong and sermons that tie every, everything that's wrong up with nice, really pretty answers. Right. Yeah. So I guess I'm asking, um,
0: and then we can we can. It's it's almost time. I can see the I can see the countdown. But I think it's it's,
1: I think it's my I ability to tell time has decreased uh, <laughs> because of the eclipse has thrown off my my sundial. It's very very difficult these days.
0: I, I guess I guess maybe I'm asking two questions that might. That might also inform like the rest of our conversation today or even into the fall. But what is what is gospel in a time like this? Hmm. So there's one question. What is gospel in a time like this? And then a second question that's even more specific is um, what is gospel from a white pastor in
1: a time like this? Yeah. So Hmm. just some questions that we're not going to answer for you, dear listener. (laughs) Excellent. (laughs) It's not about answers, right? That's what we're talking about here anyway. (laughs) If your sermon has all the answers, I'm sorry. You, you did it wrong. <laughs>
0: oh my gosh. So it is, uh, do we have a, is
1: there a sound effect? I haven't. Uh... I think there is a sound effect. It's uh, a buzzer rings, a bell dings, a uh, kazoo ah. plays. I'm not sure. Something happens. There's um, a sound effect, when it is time. The tuba. Time. We're about to reach totality. Totality Totality of the
0: Text. Oh God, bring us the text, please. Rescue us. Um So our text. We are now we're in the second episode here of uh of the Exodus story. Uh, that we started last week. Uh and um this time so last week when we left off, Moses had just been drawn out of the waters and he was gonna be raised um, Well, he's kind of adopted by pharaoh's daughter but then uh, she was going to pay his own mother and sister to raise him uh pretty pretty neat trick by them there well done um and today moses is uh well i think a lot of stuff has happened actually Mm -hmm. Um, not only is moses fully grown but i think he's uh fled egypt he got into some trouble uh stand up for his people he fled um and he's started this new life and now here he is in the wilderness if you recall from our journey through genesis sometimes when you're on the run and you're in the wilderness interesting things happen and uh moses is his he's he leads his he's keeping the flock of his father-in-law jethro so he's gotten married a lot of stuff has happened to moses we're really fast forwarding it was like a time jump here that's what we're basically what we're seeing a time jump and uh and Moses leads his flock beyond the wilderness. So he's not even just in the wilderness. He's been, let, he's led his flock beyond the wilderness. Beyond the wall. Beyond the wall. <laughs> beyond Moses the wall, about,
1: to, about to become the king beyond the wall.
0: Oh y'all. my gosh, what? And the angel of the Lord appears to him in a flame of fire out of a bush and he looked and the bush was blazing. Yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see where the bush is not burned up. And the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see. God called him out of the bush. Moses, 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 here I am. And God says, take off your sandals. You're standing on holy ground. And God says, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hides his face, afraid to look at God. And then the Lord keeps going. The Lord said, I've seen the misery of my people who are in Egypt. I've heard their cry. and I've come to deliver them from the Egyptians and bring them into a new land, um, a good and broad land flowing with milk and honey, uh, a country where a lot of other people already live. (laughs) So I will send you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And Moses is like, what? Who am I (laughs) that I should go to Pharaoh? And God says, I will be with you. And Moses said, well, um, but what if I go to them and I say to them, uh, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you and they ask me, what's his name? What shall I say to them? So God, so Moses basically says, God, what's your name? Uh, I'm asking for a friend. Mm-hmm. And God says, I am who I am. Uh, something that we'll talk about further it can be translated a number of different ways. Um, and God says, this is my name, word of God, word of life. So, um, not much, not much going on. <laughs> just, just, just A little bit, just a the, the burning bush. Ooh. How do you like the burning bush story? What's your? Yeah. It's a good one, isn't
1: it? I love the burning bush story.
0: I mean, like if you had to make a, a playlist of just your your favorite scripture stories, I mean, I got feel like I feel like Jacob at the at the river's edge got to be on there, right? Mm-hmm. This is mm-hmm. one, I feel like this is probably one of them, though, right? The burning. Well, bush. you know,
1: in 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 fact. This story is a part of of the playlist that the church has put together of the greatest hits of the Old Testament. It's, it's a vigil reading, man. Is this a vigil reading? Yeah! No, it's, no way! I don't think it is. It should be if it's not.
0: <laughs> Do you know what I think it should be, though? I don't think... That, are you looking it up right now? No.
1: I don't care. No, you're. He's just, just I'm just statements. making bold proclamations. I'm, I'm just stating, stating uncomfortable truths, Matt. I, th- I don't think it is, but I think that there should be a vigil of
0: Pentecost mm-hmm. uh, list of readings with fire readings, and I think this should be. I think this should be one of them. Because if you look at the vigil of Pentecost, there's like there is like a service for the vigil of Pentecost, but it's just like three readings, and they're not that good. Like they're it's. It why don't you have like a list of readings like you do for uh the vigil of easter and i think that if you did that this would be i think this would be one of them i think we jump ahead this is what i think are you looking at the visual readings right now yeah yeah, yeah. i think it's cre- i think it's creation and then i think it's uh, noah's ark and then i think it's abraham and isaac and then i think it goes to exodus am i right anyway fire stories we got a fire story um yeah it's a it's a good one. It's. I think it's a great story because of the imagery, right? You've got fire, you've got wilderness, you've got um, you've got Moses taking off his sandals. Good, good images to work with, and it's a call story, right? And we love call stories. We all want to know what our purpose is, what is God uh, calling us to do, and here is Moses um, being called by God to do something really important. And we love stories like that. Um, so that's all really helpful. If we dig into it a little bit, a couple of interesting things. So we talked about this being in the wilderness or in fact beyond the wilderness beyond the wall and uh, it's interesting that these these um, oh what's the word for it? Uh, theophany mm-hmm. they, these things sometimes happen or even I would say often happen um, not in the temple, not in church mm-hmm. that happen when Moses is like doing his job he's doing his as soon as money through Friday's day to day right and I that's where it's... God appears. Right? Um, which is kind of interesting, right? I mean, and then, um, if we keep going this, this amazing, but not consumed, um, I think I've read this somewhere. I, I don't, I can't give you a citation, but I think one of the, the, um, the Midrash text, one of the Jewish commentaries, um, talks about it as if this this bush had been blazing for a long time. Hmm. Then Moses was just the first to turn aside and see it. Um, cool. That perhaps it wasn't just burning for Moses, but that it was mm-hmm. it's, it was burning there for a long time, and nobody turned aside to look at it until Moses did. And Moses gets this gets this pull, this call. And so I wonder um, I wonder if that presents us an opportunity as preachers, too, to say, where are the burning, where's the burning bush today? Where's the fire uh, today that we might turn aside uh, to listen to the voice of God within? Um, where are the fires? Where are we listening for God? Where are we turning aside and saying it? Where do we not turn uh, to see? Some interesting
1: questions. Maybe an angle for you. Maybe an angle for you, preacher. I like it. I like Certainly, this is a call story. I like the angle that Moses is being called in the ordinary, Uh, not necessarily on the top of a mountain or in a temple, but like you said, Monday to Friday, nine to five, which sounds amazing. And if anyone is hiring for a job with those requirements, please uh, let us know. I'd like to apply. It sounds good. It also fits one of the ways that, that around here with students, we've been framing understanding call stories in that it, the role of the elements are essential to discerning the will of God in this place. Uh, God speaks directly through the fire here. Moses hears God clearly when he takes his shoes off, even though I'm not one of those barefoot and worship people. Moses does it when his feet, within some cultures right the bottom of our feet, are considered a portal when that uh, opening of his body is connected, right? Like the genitals, like right? that's what you missed them for genitals. Uh, feet are in touch or physically touching the dirt, the ground from which he came, right? That's the, the idea behind the vocational theology is that vocation is ultimately about identity, about discerning how to be the person that God has made you to be. And if God has made you to be first and foremost out of the dust, then that needs to figure pretty prominently into your discernment. And it's awful hard to do the work of discernment not uh, with bare feet on holy ground literally and without real fire without real flames even in the temple we seek for clarity in the temple we bring the fires uh inside i mean if this is if we're if we're
0: pulled to this story in part because it is a call story um how does it how does it shape i mean if 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 I'm coming to this story with a question of what is, what's my calling? Okay, so Moses is a calling. Good for Moses. Um, What's, how do I find what God's intention for me? How do I, where's my burning bush? (laughs) Moses Mm -hmm. has this burning bush. Where do I find a burning bush? I don't know. I don't think it's that hard um, to find a burning bush.
1: You don't think so? No, Matt. We keep the fires burning every Sunday. Right at the table, around the Word. Uh, some of us, every Friday in the middle of our churches, we start fires uh, and gather uh, young people who see visions and dreams. Uh, are notorious for that, for things like Bible study and stuff, right? Uh, I hate to, to, to kill the Game of Thrones stuff here, to overdo it, but, but uh, there's this Lord of Light uh, who's currently playing a big role, and they discern the will of the Lord of Light uh, by looking into the fire People stare into it With that kind of like gaze That I think most all of us know If you've ever been around a campfire Or the Easter vigil fire You can just kind of stare into it for a while And mm. lose yourself in it It becomes one of those thin places This encounter with the elements With, with who we are With our identity Right. Go to the baptismal rite And uh, we light the fire uh, As yeah. a symbol of the fire that is within you I
0: also suggest I mean I think that I mean certainly we have our 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 Friday night bonfire Here's a mark. So we love a good fire it does gather people it is a it is a good like it's almost like the way the television set functions um mm-hmm. <laughs> you know where, where people can gather around and watch it but a fire does that in a way that invites more conversation so yeah I can definitely be really valuable but then it also like pushes to look at the where's the i mean i live and work in uh i work in south central los angeles a place that has um mm. that has seen fires right that has seen fires during civil unrest uh we talk about the watts the fires uh in detroit there's a movie out right now about detroit uh the detroit riots and the fires that burned and fires burn in our world and um not necessarily in church, but but out there in the world that we live in. And so I think it's a question we might ask ourselves is where is the fire? Where's the fire burning? Where are the fires burning uh, in the world? And to make some of those connections between the fire, the fires that we keep burning at church uh, or at home and where the fires are, man, fire good, but also bad. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I know, I know. You can't right see the visual, dear podcast listeners, but, uh, yeah. So, um, what else? Anything else about the call story? Cause then I want to say something about the second half of the story or the, the second of the three parts of the story.
1: <laughs> Go for it. Go for it.
0: Yeah. Well, so I will probably talk about this later, maybe, uh, if we get to where the Israelites take possession of this land, but I think this is, it's sort of troubling, but I, maybe you could, you might, you might be able to do something with it. Um, That God is going to bring them up out of the land of Egypt to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the country of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. What do you do? What do you do with that? I'm going to stretch it a little. I'm going I'm to suggest to you something that you might – it may not be the focus of today's text, but it is in there. It's odd that, like, it's – lectionary texts can, like, skip over verses. They've been known to do that. So <laughs> the lectionary uh, shapers could have done that, but they chose not to. Um, and I just – I wonder whether um, – so is God calling the people to annihilation of these different groups so that they can take um, sole possession of the land? Or is God calling them into uh, a new kind of existence with with these other countries and other peoples? Um, what might that look like? We've been talking about Matthew as this multicultural gospel. Mm-hmm. And uh, I wonder if in light of some of the things that we're talking about in a world in this season, um, whether you might think about being brought up out of this situation of oppression, the situation of Egypt, whether that looks like into a country of i don't know into a multi-ethnic country a multi-religious country uh what is that what does that look like can you push that preacher can you can you take that and stretch it a little bit and play with it i think it's a it'd be challenging but it might uh yield some really interesting fruit just saying. Just saying. And then ends this text ends in the third uh, section here with God talking about God's name. Moses asks God for God's name, and God says, gives this cryptic, uh, mysterious answer: "I am, who I am." The commentary that I read this kind of ties back to what we're talking about with. Um, uh, questions not being answered once and for all. Um, but uh, the commentary by Terence Frothheim on um, Exodus uh, that I'm reading said God is not demystified through further understanding. In fact, the more one understands God, the more mysterious God becomes. Hmm. Uh, and so Moses is drawn deeper into the life of God here and to the activity of God in the world. And yet um, he isn't given this kind of like, that maybe wasn't the answer he was looking for, right? what's your name? God doesn't say Steve. God says, I am who I am, which opens up a whole new set of questions.
1: Yeah. I am who I am, mm.
0: which I think can also be translated. What I am becoming, what I am becoming. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, Ooh, I like uh, it. I like, I'm becoming a, what I'm becoming that. Cause that or gives... I will be
0: what I will be. It's yeah. It's a, it's not a, it's not a name that you can like shape into stone, right? Like it's mm-hmm. a, it's a living name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Indeed. And it provides an excellent segue. I am becoming who I am becoming. I will be who I will be. Because we, in Matthew, find Jesus wrestling with the name of God a bit. Perhaps two weeks ago, we had the story of Jesus and the Canaanite woman, where, interestingly, it appears that Jesus changes his mind, right? Jesus is becoming who Jesus will become. And then last week, we get this really clear revelation of who Jesus is, and it's a mark of the transformation that has happened, that Jesus is no longer identified by this place of birth, right? We talked about it last week, blood and soil, uh, or his blood. He is not Joseph's son of, uh, or no, well, he's not Joseph, and he's never Been Joseph, but he has been Jesus, son of Joseph. He is no longer that. He has been Jesus of Nazareth. He is no longer Jesus of Nazareth. He is now called Elijah, Moses, uh, and the Messiah. Ultimately, there uh, is this giant transition, uh, transformation that has happened. Jesus has become who Jesus is becoming, and we get a little bit more of it the continued evolution of Jesus uh, this week. It's a pretty familiar story. Jesus uh, affirms that he is the Messiah. And then immediately Peter rebukes him. We only get one rebuke here. The story is in Mark uh, where you get the really fun, they're rebuking back and forth at each other. But Jesus says that he must go to Jerusalem, suffer right at the hands of the elders and the chief priests and the scribes uh, and die and be resurrected. And Peter rebukes him. But then we get this really interesting literal turn of a phrase. Jesus, instead of rebuking Peter back like he does in Mark, says uh, in verse 23, Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block for your study of your mind, not on the divine things, but on human things. Uh, again, Jesus turned. You do the little bit of the word study on this whole thing. On uh, turned. St- oh, this is a hard one, man. Starfice. strafice Maybe. I don't know. It means having turned. Um, And one of the definitions for it is to change. Uh, Go to chapter 18, verse 3. Jesus says, Truly I tell you, unless you change, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. You must change. And Jesus is doing that right here. Uh, Another little parallel to draw is that... um, you go back and catch the story of Jesus uh, healing a woman uh, who touches his cloak, right? And as soon as she touches his cloak, Jesus turns and sees her and changes what he was doing uh, and heals her. And so we have this changing Jesus, which is pretty neat, right? Neat's not enough to preach, but I'm struck by the change in Jesus. Yeah, we don't
0: often... (sighs) we don't often hear Jesus that way. We hear Jesus is this sort of kind of static, wise person dispensing things. And then he goes on to live this perfect life. And is, but if you think about it and especially in relation to that story with the Syrophoenician woman, where he seems to change his mind and then here he's changing um, and to depict Jesus as a, as a living, as a living person. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> um, one who grows and changes um, as a
1: really interesting yeah so here's where I'm going to drill down on the good news in the gospel this week uh, yeah I I have to confess, we're recording the week ahead of time, and I'm just returned from text study on last week's gospel, where I got a little fussy. I got a little fussy (laughs) because people wanted to focus on how what you should preach is asking people, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that Jesus is? And I feel like that misses the point of a lot of this. How do you... If that's the most important part, what, who we say Jesus is, and we have this Jesus who right now is changing before our very eyes, how can our response be the most important part of that? Or instead, go back and listen to last week, Jesus' identity has changed, not because people have changed their mind about who Jesus is, but because of what he has done. And his reputation has changed because of what he has done. And action is the thing that ends this text. Boof. Uh, praxis is the Greek word here, uh, a slightly more familiar Greek word for us, right? He will repay everyone for what has been done when the Son of Man is to come with angels. Down there, verse 27, he will repay everyone for what has been done. Uh, he, will re- he will repay everyone for praxis. Praxis. Um, And then I had a connection that I just forgot about how we go from praxis, right? How it's about what we do uh, back into our bodies. That's the transition I want to make from praxis into our bodies. Uh, Jesus has a nice little slightly rhetorical question where he says, uh, for what... Those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit them? Again, the whole world will forfeit their life. And life here is kind of a, it's soul, it's psyche, um, which literally means to breathe or to blow. Uh, Lose your breath. Uh, And back again, we find ourselves in the elements. Um, And perhaps the deeds uh, that God is calling us to are the deeds of Of rooting our breath uh, in the creator, in the one who has given us the breath, uh, the one who's given us the the fire, the flame and the soil Yeah, I think like if we're asking
0: questions about what what that action ought to look like, um, I mean I think that so we started the discussion of Matthew by talking about after, from that time on, after Peter confessed that Jesus was the Messiah. So Peter makes this claim. He answers the question, who do you say that I am? But after he says that, after he makes a claim, Jesus uh, makes a left turn. So Jesus changes and then Peter's got to sort of change his mind again. And so like we do, we do have to sort of, um, we have to live. We have to make these, try things, right? We got to step out. We got to sin boldly. We step out, we try things, we act in faith and then, but don't think that, that it's going to be something. Settled for all time, right? Because once you've changed you just change again, the situation is going to change again, and so we just I don't know how do I how do I wrap that up? by maybe saying that we um we put our faith in that, not in not in that thing that we've decided and figured out once and for all, but in the activity of God that we just continue to follow as best we can. Because we do have to say things, right? That's kind mm-hmm. of what we were arguing about with the with the gospel. We do have to like we got to say something. In the right. pulpit, <laughs> we gotta we gotta take some kind of action. But what we ultimately, what we say or what we do, isn't the rock that we that we rely on. Um, it isn't the thing, and maybe that's maybe that's good news. At least it is for me when I know that
1: I'm not gonna say the right thing. All the time. <laughs> <laughs> right. This is a hard little gospel, though. It's got a lot of really heavy stuff in it. Lots of stuff that could be unpacked. Lots of distracting. Sorts of things. A lot of yeah. rabbit holes you could go down. Yeah. that all might be good or helpful or profitable for your context, but...
0: Uh, you got some music
1: to play with these challenging, uh... Oh, challenging oh, oh Matt. <laughs> what did you... There was a movie you were talking about.
0: Oh. It's out. What was the, What was that movie you were talking about? Oh, Detroit. I haven't seen
1: it. I've heard some criticism, but, uh, Detroit. I haven't uh, seen it. I'm... I was assuming you were referencing 8 Mile. <laughs> That's not referencing. No, you weren't referencing 8 Mile. Oh, well, I'm going to start never... with... Uh, I've <laughs> never seen 8 Mile either. Uh, <laughs> full disclosure. This is an anti-Detroit podcast. Um, sorry, Chris. It's been a tough day for Chris <laughs> on the pod. Sorry, Chris. <laughs> uh, I'm going Eminem, lose yourself. Who uh, wants <laughs> to lose their life? Who uh, wants to give up their breath will save their breath. Uh, lose yourself in the music. The moment you own it, you better never let it go. Wow, um, I like it. You got to do something.
0: <laughs> lose yourself. Never thought about that song in relation to, uh, to those who want to lose their life for my sake. Will find it. But that's that's what you get on the
1: vinyl. That's, that's, that's the point here. My goodness, mom, spaghetti
0: good stuff what else you got another one for Matthew oh uh, you know the White Stripes have an album called Get Behind Me Satan really Uh, no I did not know that I I can't remember what the song is though that's like get behind me let's see
1: oh Uh, we're gonna go uh in this season of Reformation to a a band called Berlin um (laughs) It's got a great song. You can find it on the Top Gun soundtrack, called uh, "Take My Breath Away," uh, the love theme from Top Gun. <laughs> <laughs> Whoever wants to lose their breath will gain it. Uh, <laughs> Top Gun soundtrack. You got it right here. I'd also like to add Matt on the Exodus side of things. If we could add uh, glycerin, glycerine uh, <laughs> from from Bush. Bush. I think that would be be excellent. Or we could accidentally put a bunch of Rush songs on because we were. We made a couple mistakes. Bush, Rush. It's almost the same word.
0: Well, I'm going to add for Exodus, oh my goodness, like, we've done some fire songs before for Pentecost. So fire playlists are, are fun, um, but I'm going to throw out ones a couple of them that I haven't done yet, um, fire songs. Um, one is called The Fire Next Time by Vic, by Vic Mensa. Mm. Uh, Chicago uh, Hip hop and R&B artist uh, Works with Chance the Rapper sometimes uh, He's got this song The Fire Next Time It says Out of the fire I found a fire inside uh, Good stuff Good Good, uh, good Hip hop song there Out of his new album uh, The Autobiography So check that out And then a song from the 80s uh, Beds are burning By Midnight Oil mm. How can we sleep Where our beds are burning So if you're looking for Where the fires are In the world uh, Midnight Oil Might be a good uh Good soundtrack for you. So a couple of fire songs that we'll throw uh, throw onto the glycerin.
1: <laughs> Matt, you missed a good one, though. Yeah. Classic. Uh, Proud Mary, right? Uh, has to do with the day-to-day life of discernment. Cleaned a lot of plates in Memphis. Pumped a lot of pain down in New Orleans. <sighs> but I never saw the good side of the city until I took a ride on a river Queen. Wow we'll keep in on memphis. proud mary keep on burning in memphis in new orleans yeah proud mary uh you said uh washable it's in memphis
0: memphis which is named for an egyptian city oh uh, one of the things that i that i was brought to my attention when i was reading american gods by neil gaiman is that um many of these mississippi river cities like cairo mm-hmm. not cairo but cairo cairo uh right uh Named after these Egyptian cities, Mississippi has a new Nile. So hey, little connection there to Egypt for you. Have you seen the show? Have you watched the new American guys show? I have, I have not watched the show because I, I don't know. I have not seen it, but it's also on Stars. I don't know how I would
1: see it. Yeah, I got a free preview of Stars and watched the first episode. What'd you think? Uh, if I had Stars, I'd probably keep watching it. But
0: I mean, did you read the book? No, it's good. Hannah's it's super good. into it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Chris read it and she really loved it in part because um, None of her favorite depicts, characters died. <laughs> none of the characters. Well it like it depicts like these like it's set in the Midwest and so and it depicts like these Midwestern roadside attractions as like these holy sites. <laughs> and she just thought that was phenomenal. But really interesting stuff about religion. The old gods and the new gods. Uh, worth a read. I think it's worth a read. G-O-T. Alright, man. Well, We've worked out with you, Lectionary Twenty Two. You got good news? Is there good news in this? I have good news.
1: Is that good news? What is the good news? Hmm. Um I don't know. I don't know if I have good news yet. You have good news yet? I don't know. It's not a great podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um I mean it's something like this is what people tune in for. They want they want to hear me say, Well, it's probably something like this, uh, an abstract random thing that's not helpful. I mean, this is some version of God comes down, God comes to us, something like that for me, probably, in the idea that the God comes down to us in the elements, in the fire, in the burning bush, uh, in the earth itself. Yeah, I think my follow up question is, where's the fire? Hmm. that's the question i want to explore where's the where's the fire could also just now occur to me uh do some labor day stuff with uh right that uh, god speaks to moses in the midst of his labor uh absolutely right
0: yeah i'm i'm impressed with exodus so far in the sense that it's this um it's an epic epic story right and yet Um, last week we had these midwives and their daily work that may have seemed like it wasn't on the front pages was the critical place where God's activity was. And then here today, Moses is engaged in his day-to-day work and that's where God shows up. Um, And so it's it's interesting. We've got these sort of macro level things happening in Exodus and yet the things people do day-to-day critical. That's where God's activity
1: often lies. I'm going to be a little Stephanie Postel here with my final good news. (laughs) Uh, Honoring the body. You should check it out. It's pretty good. Helps helps you frame things. God's love is in our bodies. I think that's going to be my good news. Bodies that work every day. Bodies made of dirt. Barefoot bodies. um, Bodies that come from and are consumed by the flames.
0: Fantastic. Love it. Good stuff. Bodies that hear and see, too. I mean, Moses' has got to see this bush. Mm-hmm. He's got to hear the voice of God. You've got some good sensory stuff. Which, bodies uh, that breathe. Which works for bodies.
1: Mm. Right? Good That's stuff. God's love comes to us uh, literally in a body, right? Not even in G. Je- oh Gosh, we're losing this, right? Not even Jesus' breath is the, like, I mean, this, if, you, if you divide the body and the soul, which I don't, right? It's Jesus' body itself that is offered to us as the sacrifice, right? It's the, it's the gift. This human body is the gift. Ugh. That'll preach. There it is. That'll preach. There it is. We did it.
0: <laughs> we did it. What was the question? Well, what was the question? Yeah. Where's the fire or where's, where's your the fire? fire? Where's your fire? Maybe where's your fire?
1: We'll um, Moses' fire beyond the wilderness. Yeah. The king beyond the wall. Moses. King, the king beyond the wall. It's been it's been real, man. It's been real. That's what I'd say. It's been final? It's been final. Period. Period.